So the UAW is riding a wave. They are riding high after record deals struck between the UAW and the big three. And Sean Fain had, didn't mince any words, and he said, we're going after these other automakers next because we saw the Toyotas of the world, the Hondas of the world, raise pay after those agreements were, were struck because they don't want that union coming into their plants and infiltrating their systems. I don't know that any of these automakers want the union, but the unions, the, the, the UAW and the big three are synonymous. But when you start looking at some of these foreign automakers or automakers that have plants in the South, it's a little different. <laughs> unions are a little different down South, or, or at least the, the, the optics on unions are a little different down South. But it's hard to argue with the type of results that Sean Fain and other negotiators got inside the UAW with the big three. It's hard to argue in a time when things are more expensive. They got a lot of really big line items back. And that's not even talking about the wage increases. And so that's why the Toyotas of the world had to raise their pay for workers. Something at least similar to what UAW workers got in the big three. And so now the UAW is trying to ride that wave in, in that momentum down south into some of these other states, some of them right to work states trying to unionize these workers. And there at least seems to be a temperature being taken that some of these workers might be interested in. Merrick Masters is the professor of business in the Mike Illich School of Business at Wayne State University, also a labor expert, and he joins us. Merrick, good to have you back. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So talk to me about what the UAW is looking to do now, in the immediate aftermath of these deals with the big three being struck? Well, its ultimate goal is to organize the non-union companies that it's identified. 13 are on its list. I estimate they employ about 170,000 people in the United States now. That may be a couple of years dated, but um, it's a larger segment than the current level of membership they have in the big three. So it's very important, not only in terms of growing their membership, but also in increasing their bargaining power in the industry, because increasingly these non-union facilities are going to be the benchmark that the big three look at to determine what kind of wages and labor costs they want. Meanwhile, uh, Honda workers in Ohio, the UAW saying and telling the Detroit News that 30 percent of workers at a Volkswagen assembly plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee, had signed cards expressing support for for organizing. Is that number, do you think, right? Do you think that's too high or too low uh, for some of these plants? They've got a 30-50 system that Sean Fain talked about yesterday, and it's basically 30% is what the National Labor Relations Board requires for a sufficient showing of interest for them to hold an election. That's the minimum sort of requirement that the union will look at before it proceeds on a full-fledged organizing campaign. Typically, before it asks for recognition on a voluntary basis, perhaps from an employer, it will want to have well over 50%, 70% is what Sean Fain identified. So it's the first step. There's a long history of trying to organize in Chattanooga, so this doesn't surprise me at all. What will be interesting to see is when they're able to reach that threshold at some of the other companies that have maintained more resistance to union organizing efforts than Volkswagen. You talked about the, the, the 13 targets uh, that, that the UAW has set. 
it's almost like, to me, it's like fishing. You throw that, that lure into the water and you're hoping one fish is going to bite. Um, do you feel like they're going to get a bite? Well, I think they'll get a bite. The question is whether it's a big enough bite to justify such a campaign. And I think Sean Fain hit the nail on the head last night when he said, look, what makes the difference between an organizing campaign win that wins and one that loses is what people at the work sites feel. They've got to have a groundswell of support at these work sites, people that are willing to overcome resistance and take the risks that are necessary and inevitably encountered in trying to organize. What is, what is the, the view of the union from these automakers' perspective, the Toyotas, the Hondas, the Hondais, the, 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 the Teslas of the world? What, what is the, the business view of, of unions and unionizing their labor? I think Elon Musk said it out loud what many others probably believe but won't say out loud in that he views unions as adversaries and they come in and try and stir up trouble and that they're not good for the business. I think that he thinks that workers are better off without a union and particularly one like the UAW, which has been tainted recently with corruption, has a reputation for being rather top down. And it also can be accused of being complicit in the downfall of the big three companies in terms of their market share in the industry. What are the odds that you think that is there a type of resurgence here that the UAW could be experiencing? I, I talked about the wave that they're riding uh, after these these contracts that they got done with the big three. Is, is there a possibility that we could see a resurgence of the UAW across the country? Well, it would require organizing success on orders of magnitude far greater than it has achieved. It has been involved in only a handful of certification elections in the past several years. Last year, they were involved in about 15 certification elections that um, resulted in the certification of 1,000 members. Look at the facts. Look at the record. Since 2001, the UAW has lost over 45% of its membership. Since 1979, it's lost over 75% of its membership. It's become increasingly non-auto in terms of the composition of its membership. It hasn't had success. It hasn't demonstrated success. And it may be taking advantage of some record contracts, but there is a big leap between taking advantage of that from a public relations standpoint and actually translating that into recognition at the bargaining table. Is this the time you think they can take advantage of that? Have they had this type of momentum? You mentioned since 2000. Let's take it from there. Have they had this type of momentum since 2000? Their best time, but as I think I also might have said on your show or one of some other show I was on, I said it's not a good chance. Mm -hmm. Uh, They face great odds. They will have to overcome a lot of difficulties. And once you put yourself out later like this, you become a bullseye. And people will start looking for ammunition to use against you. And I think they have plenty of it. Is the UAW going to tap their membership for for another avenue for potential union workers at some of these other facilities to to talk with and you almost use them as a resource or a rallying cry to try to get them on their side? Well, yes, I think they have they have workers organizations. They have Tesla's Worker United, for example, that's formed. They've made prior efforts there. They have people that are at these sites that are dissatisfied, disgruntled and may try and form a union. There was recently a charge filed against Tesla for uh, firing a group of employees that they were considered fired for union organizing activities. But that has is still in the courts pending. 
you have to really look at the situation on a case by case basis, but uh, they will reach out. They've got to really have a groundswell of support, not only within the work sites, but among the families of those involved. And remember, a lot of these work sites are located in facilities where there aren't a whole lot of their in, in employment options. And people, you know, even though you may be a site in Indiana or Ohio, there are places in Indiana, Ohio that resemble Alabama and Mississippi. Uh, and so I think that in terms of um, the difficulty, just because it's in a northern state doesn't mean that the UAW necessarily has an easy ride to recognition. And how much does the geography play into this, some of these states being right-to-work states? Well, I think that plays a significant role. I look at right-to-work as, as a symptom of a anti-union attitude. Uh, and the conditions on the ground and the climate, the political climate, the economic climate doesn't favor unions. And I think, you know, the, the UAW is a poster child for some extent what's wrong with unions. And it has to overcome that. It's got to go in there facing reality that it is going to be guilty by association with a lot of the problems, um, not only with its own scandal, but with the uh, situation in the domestic industry. Mm. Merrick Masters, always appreciate letting you uh, uh, pick your your brain on this issue. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. Have a good day. Yep, you do the same. That's Merrick Masters uh, at a Wayne State University. You think the UAW is going to be successful in trying to to rally some of these troops, circle the wagon, and get some of these the these workers on the union side in some of these other states, particularly southern states? We'll hear from you coming up next right here on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere.